God so true. His precious blood shed for me and for you. But here in this place, we must tell them of His amazing grace. For this is God's house, the church of the living God. This is God's house, when one enters they standing on holy ground, and like a lighthouse it stands tall, and it beckons to us all, come together and worship Christ in God's house. Oh, how sad it is today. For so many religion is a game, and how tragic is the state, for them his word, it's out of date, for the lost, there is no care, salvation's message they don't even share, but here while we live, we must tell them, be uh, what people feel when they come into the house of God. Listen, it's there's nothing in this world more important than being saved. You've got to know for sure Christ is in your heart. If you don't have, listen, we don't believe you have to be a Baptist to go to heaven. I'm a Baptist because of the teachings and what it trained. But being a Baptist, you can be the best Baptist in the world and still go to hell. You got to be born again. You got to trust Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And, and that's why it's so important uh, that, that people understand that. So many people, I, I, I tell people there's really basically three religions that are uh, called Christian religion today. And I won't pick on any particular one, but I'll, I'll tell you what the three categories are. All of them say they believe the Bible. But there's the one group that believes the Bible, but their tradition overrides the Bible. They go by what their tradition tells them. Even if it doesn't go by the Scripture, well, this is what we've always done. And so they go by that. Then there's another group that they say they believe the Bible, but their experience 
outweighs the Bible. Some strange thing happens to them, and it may not fit the Scripture, but their experience overrides the Bible. Then there's those who say, we believe the Word of God, we're going to stand on the Word of God. If you ever hear me, you'll probably always hear me say this. My life verse is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. I don't understand everything, but here's what I believe. God's Word is what I'm going to stand on. Even if I don't understand it, I'm going to go by it. I'm going to do what God's Word says. And uh, I had a cousin one time, and I was talking to him about salvation. He said, oh, I know. I'm going to heaven. He said, one night I was laying in bed, and all of a sudden I woke up, and the roof of my house opened up, and I saw a bright light up in the heaven. And, and because of that, I know I'm going to heaven. I said, that could have just been what you ate for supper that made you have a, have a bad dream. You better not just go by some weird experience that, that you have. You know, people, you see them get slain in the Spirit or something and they think, okay, that, since I felt that feeling come over me, that means I'm saved. It's not a feeling, it's a fact. God said, these things have I written that you may know that you have eternal life. You better be saved according to what the Scripture says. What Jesus say also, search the Scripture. For in them you think you have eternal life. We need to know for sure that we're saved, that Christ is in our heart. But tonight, I want to share, I uh, prayed about what I, I wanted to share with uh, you folks here tonight. And this is the verse that God gave to me. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Now this chapter of the Bible is written right after God has given us some great examples in Hebrews 11 of people of great faith. And now he says in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's pray. Father, I pray that You would meet with us here tonight. Lord, I thank You for uh, Liberty Baptist Church and Lord, the wonderful miracles that You wrought in starting this church. And now, God, I pray uh, that You would bless this church in the years to come. I pray that You would give them many wonderful memories of all the miracles that You have done uh, over the years, Lord. And I pray You'd help them stay true to the Word of God uh, throughout the rest of the time that You have here on this earth. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As I said, in Hebrews 11, the Bible tells us of the importance of faith. Hebrews 11.1, 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Last year, a step of faith was taken to start Liberty Baptist Church. Uh, we came over, we looked at this building. You all know the story. I won't go uh, through everything, but God worked a miracle. And it was a, it was a great step of faith that that our church took, that your pastor uh, took when he was willing to move his family uh, over here. I, I've got to be real honest. I, I had plans for, uh, for him, uh, that, but that wasn't God's plan. And, and so God, uh, God gave him the faith to come over here and to uh, start this church. Some wonderful things happened. Like I said, some of you may remember how we got the building. It was sold to somebody else. And we were praying, God, work a miracle. Give us this building. We want that building. And be honest, I was willing to pay more money than they were asking to get this building because I thought they had a wonderful price on it. When we got our building, and if you ever get a chance to come over and see ours, I thought it was a miracle when we got our old Western Tavern for $50,000. 
uh, we got this place for $45,000 and we had no furniture, we had nothing, and we had to tear the place apart and put it all back together. Uh, you know, and I thought that was a miracle. But we, Tommy and I were praying real hard and we, got, we had several days of heavy rain and the basement started flooding. And the fellow that had put the bid on said, I don't want it. And so we came over and looked at it and told my wife, I said, that will probably never happen again. I said, I think God did that just so this guy would back out. <laughs> and uh, so we made an offer and they accepted You know the rest of the story. And, and uh, we, we were so, so excited about that. But um, we've got to understand this, that even though there's been miracles... There's also probably been some difficulties. There's going to be been some trials. And I hate to tell you, there'll be more. It's not all going to be easy. Okay, There's going to be difficulties in these lives. In the days ahead, uh, I, I guarantee you there'll be many more blessings, but there are also going to be many more battles that, that you're going to have to face uh, in this life. And so tonight I want to show you what it is that God instructed us to do if when we come to the end of life, we'll be able to be called people's, uh, people of faith and that we can finish the race. Anybody can start a race. Okay, Anybody can. Now, if, we wanted to, if we wanted to, every one of us could go out here and start uh, a marathon. Okay, But I would say probably none of us would finish it. Okay, uh, I'll be honest, I, I've ran, the longest I've ran, I, I, a couple years ago I ran 13 miles without stopping. That was a miracle for me. That was a miraculous thing. The longest race I ran was two years ago, a 9.11 mile race on 9-11. So it would be two years ago, uh, two years ago Tuesday that, I, that I, I did that race. And I was so proud of myself just being able to run uh, that many miles without stopping. And I didn't finish first place. Okay? I think there were about 700 people in that race. I think... Uh, some of them ran a four, mile, four and a half mile race. Some of us ran a 9.11 mile race. I think I finished somewhere around 147th or 148th place. But, you say, well, that's not that much. Hey, for a 52 year old fat guy <laughs> to be able to even run 9.11 miles, uh, on, on, uh, we made a video of I had my daughter video my, my finish. I was excited, I was thrilled. Just that I was still breathing at the end of that at the end of that race. I finished the race. I was proud of that. I was excited about that. And listen, I have no doubt that when I get to heaven, I'm not going to be in first place when I get there. But I want to have finished the race. I don't want to quit. I remember years ago when I first started being a runner as a young man in high school, uh, we were running a race uh, over in Indiana, and uh, there was a, a group of us and. Uh, and some of the guys had never run before. And I told the one guy, don't take off too fast. And uh, sure enough, he took off. I mean, he was out ahead of everybody by about 20 yards, 30 yards. And I thought, man, he went around the corner. I thought, I can't believe he's that far ahead of me. And uh, all of a sudden, we got about a quarter mile. He's laying on the side of the ground, <laughs> holding his chest. He couldn't hardly breathe. Because, you know, you don't sprint in a long run like that. You've got to run with patience, the Bible says. And, uh, it's a long distance run. It's a very difficult run. And so I want to give you tonight a few points of what will help you make it through the race. Number one, look at the wonder of Christ. The Bible says looking to Jesus. You've got to get your eyes focused on Jesus. If you get your eyes focused on people, you'll get discouraged. People will discourage you. 
People will defeat you. Problems will defeat you. But Jesus Christ, keep your eyes on Him. John 1, 1-3 says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. Jesus is an amazing, amazing person to look at. This is God Almighty who came to earth in the flesh, who gave His life on the cross of Calvary to buy me eternal life. That's wonderful, folks. That He loved me that much and that whatever He asked of me... Listen, I I got saved at the age of 8 years old. I surrendered my life to preach. At the age of 17, I pastored my first church at the age of 18. And I've been preaching ever, ever since. That hasn't earned me one second in heaven. The only reason I'm going to heaven is because I gave my heart to Christ. Jesus paid the price for me. The reason I've done that all these years is because I love what He did for me. And I want other people to have that. I want other people to have that opportunity uh, to have salvation. I grew up in a a difficult background with a difficult uh, situation. Many of the people in my family had a lot of problems. I I heard my son preach a message and he told this story. Uh, There was nine of us kids. I'm the only one that didn't go to jail. I'm not saying I didn't deserve it a couple times. But I'm the only one that didn't go to jail. And all, all those years, and I, the main reason was I gave my heart to Christ at an early age. And, and I look to Jesus. I look at what, what He's given me. God has given me a wonderful wife. We've been married 32 years. He's given me wonderful children. My son is pastoring a church. All of his kids are in church with him. He's got a wonderful wife. My five, uh, four daughters are all married to wonderful guys. They're all in church. They're all serving God. I'm going to be in heaven with them for all eternity someday. Why? Because Jesus died on the cross and paid the price for my sin. I got to keep my eyes on Him. I got to look at Him with all of my heart and all of my soul. There's time. Hey, have I ever been discouraged in our church? You better believe. We've, I've had I've had some difficult days. We've had some hard times. Listen, I've been at the same church now for 24 years. I've pastored five different churches in those 24 years. <laughs> I always tell you know because sometimes there's people going to get mad at you and leave. There's you know other people. Some people are going to move away. We've had a tough, kind of a tough year this year. I mean, it's been an exciting year, but uh, we started two new churches: one over in Ottawa, one here. I lost two of my best men. And I, they both had good sized families, so that's uh, they emptied two of my pews. <laughs> okay, that was that was sad. This is another good... I've had five of my young people go to Bible college. Now that's good. But it's sad seeing those seats. And those are five of my good workers that went off to Bible college. I had one of my good families. His company moved him all the way back down to North Carolina or somewhere. Where'd he go? Georgia. Down to Georgia. Moved one of my good... A good man away. There's another good family. Uh, God, so those, those have been some diff- this has been a tough year, difficult year. But I look at what God's done. I see those, these people baptized, and I say, "Praise God!" We have there's a song I love. I don't know if you all heard this one yet or not. If just one more soul walks down the aisle, it's worth every trouble. It's worth every trial. Because God says one soul is worth more than all the riches of this world. And so if you keep your eyes focused on the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, that will help you get through those trials. That will help you get through the difficulties of life. Uh, look at, at the wonder of Christ. Uh, secondly, look at the wisdom of Christ. He is such a 
wonderful God. 1 Corinthians 2, 6 and 7 says, Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of this world that come to naught, but we speak the wisdom of God in mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. God says we need to look at the wisdom. Folks, we live in a crazy world today. You folks that are older, like me or older, you know that this world has gotten much worse than what it used to be. When I was a little boy and I lived in Granite City, Illinois, that's right across from St. Louis, not the nicest town in the world, but it was the kind of a different world back then. My mom and dad would feed me breakfast and then tell me to go play and I'd be going out all day, have no idea where I was, didn't have a cell phone to keep contact with. In fact, we didn't have a telephone most of the time. But you know, we just we'd be out all day, and when it got dark, they expected me to come home, and I think they did anyhow. <laughs> Until that one time they moved while I was gone, and all. <laughs> but uh, but it was it was a different world back then. It's a crazy world we're living in now. It's scary, the things that that kids have to deal with, and the things that we have to put up with, and the perverts and the weirdos that are out there. And it's very sad to me that our government. Is backing weirdo shit. That's that's very sad to me. Saying that hey, uh, it's okay to, to to do things worth. Listen, I don't know about you, but I'm not gonna. It's not what the president says. It's not what the governor says. It's not what the Congress says. It's not what the Senate says. I'm gonna go by what God says. God's Word is what I'm going to go by. And listen, they can get up and say stuff's okay, but if God says it's wrong, I believe it's wrong. You better not listen to the wisdom of this world. You better not go by what the world tells you. God says, give it, it shall be given unto you. Most people say, just think about yourself. God says, we ought to be doing for other people. We ought to care about other people. We need to look at the wisdom of Christ. Uh, James 3.13, Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show it out the good conversation of his works with meekness of wisdom. But if we have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. And we are living in a society, society today where many people have devilish wisdom. At all, they were born that way. Hey, I had a, this honestly happened to me. I, had, I actually had a homosexual guy come into my church one day, stormed into my office, Knocked over me. He says, "I heard you preached against homosexuality." I said, "Yes, sir, I did." He said, "Well, I demand the right to stand in your pulpit and tell people my side of the story." I said, "It's not going to happen." And him and I began to talk, and I, he says, "Well, you don't understand. I was born this way." I said, "Well, sir, I'm Irish and Indian, and I said I was born with a temper." And I said, "Right now, I'd like to take this fist and run it through your face." I said, but I'm not going to do that. You know why? Because it's not right. And I said, if you have, I said, I don't think you were born that way, but if you were born that way, it's a wrong feeling and you need to control it. Just like if there's a person who, I mean, if a person has a desire for a little child, does that mean it's okay? No, it means it's wicked. It means it's wrong. If a guy has a desire for God, does that mean it's okay? No, it means it's wicked. It's wrong. God said so. God didn't create Adam and Steve. He created Adam and Eve. 
And we need to, I'm not trying to be harsh to me, I'm just telling you. The wisdom, oh, if, if, if you feel like, if it, if it feels good, do it. That was, remember, if you're my age, remember that was what they tried to teach us in high school. No, if it feels good, hey, if you only do what feels, I, I, well, this is another lesson I've learned as I've gotten older. I wish I'd have listened to them about certain things you shouldn't do, what things you shouldn't eat. Because you know, once your body starts falling apart, you wish you'd have paid more attention to some of those, uh, some of those things back 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 in the back in the day. We need to listen to the wisdom of God and trust what His Word says. And and listen, I I, I believe that this world uh, that that Satan is preparing for the, those last days. I believe we are very close to the end of time. I'm not trying to. I'm not a prophecy expert. I don't know that anybody is. But I'll tell you what. If you look at uh, some of the things going on, I, I get excited all the time when I, I keep seeing, keep your eyes on the news about Russia getting ready to attack Israel. Okay, because I, mean, I don't know if this is the attack, but right at the rapture, there's going to be an attack where Russia comes against Israel and there, a miracle is going to take place and God is going to wipe out Russia on the mountains of Israel and that's going to happen right about the time of the rapture. Now, I don't, again, I'm not saying this is the war, but just the, all the pieces are in place for it. And so I watch that and I'm excited because guess what? Israel's probably going to attack Iran because of their nuclear plant. Russia just made a statement, if you do, you're in trouble. So that got me excited when I saw that. I just saw some news from Canada today that got me excited. Canada is withdrawing all their people out of Iran. You know why? Because they believe Israel's going to attack Iran. And then they believe Russia's going to attack them. They believe there's going to be a war, so they're pulling all their people out. Now again, I don't know that this is the, the battle, but I look at that and I think, you know what? Isn't it something that over 2,000 years ago, God said there's going to come a day when didn't use the word Russia, but if you don't know who Russia is in the Bible, that's Gog and Magog. That they're going to come against Israel. And right now we've got this big country looking down at them. And that's getting, that may be getting ready to happen. So guess what? We may be raptured out of here in the next few days or few weeks or few months. We don't know. And I, I, again, God says we don't know the day or the hour. We don't know exactly when. But He says you ought to know the season. You ought to know about when it's going to happen. We ought to, that's the wisdom of God Almighty. And I could go into some num- number of things. God built the world in six days. A day with the Lord represents a thousand years. The world's been in existence now for six thousand, almost six thousand years. First four thousand years uh, ended whenever Christ died on the cross. He said He was going to go away from Israel for two days. Okay, uh, Israel quit being a nation in seventy-one A.D. They became a nation again in nineteen forty-eight. That was almost 2,000 years. That, 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 that counts as almost two days with God. So that means that our time as a Gentile nation might almost be up. Now, say, where do you get that? Out of the Bible. This wonderful book of wisdom that God has given us, that we can look at, that God tells us. Uh, listen, God's Word is so... Uh, I've got a sign up at our church right now that says, God's Word is more up to date than tomorrow's newspaper. And it is. We we know I don't again we don't know exactly when things are going to happen but we know they're going to happen. I don't know when but I know one day Russia is going to attack Israel. And I know I don't know when it's going to happen but I know this that when it does happen Israel's going to win that war. This little bitty country smaller than the state of Illinois is going to beat this gigantic nation that has all this other power uh, in a miraculous way. 
And boy, and guess who's going to take credit for it? Whoever it is, it's going to be the Antichrist. Who is that person? I don't know. We don't know. Because we don't know if this is the heir heir. But God says, you need to look at my wisdom. You need to look at what God says. When I was a young man, I remember as a young teenage boy, I moved out of my home when I was 17 years old. and I was out of my home for quite a while. I used to get these thoughts, you know, boy, all my friends are having more fun than me. But am I going to listen to God or am I going to listen to my heart? And I remember sometimes literally sitting in my apartment and my house and, and crying, thinking, I'm miss, they're, they, they're having more fun than I am. But I'd say, no, I'm going to listen to what my preacher told me. I'm going to listen to what God told me. I'm going to pay attention. I'm going to stay true to the Word of God. I'm going to stay true to the Bible. Even though I don't understand it, I don't seem to... At the moment, I wasn't even liking it. But you know what? I'd listen to God and go through the whole story again. God, you know what? God had my wife waiting for me. She wasn't quite ready yet. And so God had, God had to, I hate to, we were probably really too young. She was probably too young to get married, but I'm glad. Her parents told us we had to wait until 1980. She had to graduate. She worked real hard, got done with her work halfway through the school year. I was out in Washington State at the time, so we planned on getting married. We got married January 1st, 1980. She was three months away from being 18. I was three months away from being 22. <laughs> And so it might not have been the... But I'll tell you what, I'm so glad we got married. God gave me a wonderful wife and God's given me a wonderful family. You know why? Because I listened to the wisdom of God. I could tell you about a whole lot of other stories, but there were times I almost made bad decisions even as a pastor. But here's something I always did. Before I make any major decision, I'd always get counsel from somebody. I had preachers I'd call. I remember I was thinking about leaving our church where I'm at over there this probably would have been about 14, 15 years ago, going through a real difficult time. And I remember actually laying in my office, I was crying. And I was thinking, I can't, go, can't take it anymore. I'm done. And I thought, before I make a decision, I'm going to call Brother uh, Parchman. He was a great preacher, old preacher friend of mine. God, here's what I, this is what I was thinking when I called him. I thought, he's such a well known preacher. He'll, when I tell him how bad things are, he'll say, Tom. I know a big church down here and you know, somewhere down south or out west and you know, that's kind of what I was thinking. I want to be out in the country somewhere out in the hills and mountains somewhere, and I thought he'll get he'll get put me into a big fancy church. And I called Brother Showers and I told him what was going on. And here's what he said. He said, Tom, God put you there. You stay. I thought, hey, that's not what I wanted you to tell me. <laughs> but you know what? I listened to him. And because of that, now my son has this woman here as his wife. Had we left, that wouldn't have happened. I wouldn't have these wonderful grandkids that I have. My daughters all married good men. I, that might not have happened had I not listened to the wisdom of a man of God. God's given you a pastor. He may be younger than some of you, but God still will tell your pastor things that, that you may not see. He's a watchman that God puts up Above, like, and he said, the watchman looks down and he can see things that you can't see. You need to listen. Say, oh, but the world's saying this. You better listen to the man of God. You better listen to the word of God. You better listen to Jesus Christ Himself. Pay attention to the wisdom. Look at the word of Christ, folks. This is a wonderful book here. 
Thy Word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. Uh, as I said, my, my life verse is trust is to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. This book, if you don't know which way to go, do what the book says. As a young father, I learned a lesson the hard way. When you buy toys that have to be put together, read the instructions. can't tell you how many times I go to put something together and then all of a sudden I had parts left over. Then I'd go to the instruction book and I was supposed to put those on way before I put this other thing on. And There were some times I put stuff on that I couldn't take back off. And I think most of you guys have probably experienced that. Read the instruction book. Go by what it says. Psalms 119.102 I have not departed from thy judgment, for thou hast taught me how sweet are thy words unto my taste. Yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Listen, uh, I had never been a father before. I've never been a husband before. And I'm not saying we did everything perfect. We made our errors and mistakes. But when we didn't know what to do, we'd go to this book and we'd do what this book said. And that's why God... I'm not saying I'm a great, I'm a great father and I'm a great pastor. I'm saying I'm a, I have a great Bible that when I follow that Bible, God blesses it. Because I follow that instruction book. So look to Jesus, the Bible says. Look to the welcoming of Christ. Matthew 25.21 His Lord said to him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou to the joy of thy Lord. You know, the thing that keeps me going... And I, I think I just heard, I, was, I listened to some of my son's sermons. I think I heard him tell the story that I always tell about this is you don't want to quit right before the end of the race. You don't want to quit too soon. I've always thought about you're digging for a treasure. You get tired, you say, I'll oh, forget it, I'm never going to find it. The next guy comes along, boom, there it is. Wouldn't it be horrible? Why didn't I do one more shovelful? Why didn't I take one more step? Why didn't I just go a little bit further and I, I decide, oh well, I quit. And I sit down and then all of a sudden, boom, the rapture comes. I'd still go to heaven. But you know what? I wouldn't be able to cross that line and God would not be able to say to me, well done, my good and faithful servant. You know what I'd have to say? He said, Tom, you quit. One step too soon. I was I, I I admire runners, by the way, and I, especially these marathon runners. I mean, it, that astounds me when I think how fast these guys can. If, if I were to wait till the last mile and race the guy for the last mile, he would still beat me. That's how fast these guys are. It astounds me. I remember seeing one guy. He was in the lead in a marathon, and he was he, he was down to probably last half mile. All of a sudden, he got so sick, he threw up alongside the road. And, and, he, and he fell down onto his knees, but he got back up and he started running some more. Then he threw up again. And he literally, uh, he was still in first place, and he literally had to crawl across that finish line to win that race. And I thought, man, that's something. I don't know if you've ever seen that triathlon that they have, where these people swim like two miles, two and a half miles, and then they ride a bike about 100 miles, then they run. 26 miles. Uh, and the ones that really amaze me, I've seen these older people, older than me. Now listen, they don't win the race. And they have to be done. They start early in the morning. They have to be done by midnight. And you see some of them 
at the, all, had been all day, and they're coming that, that last few feet. And when they cross that finish line, you know what? I am just as impressed with them as they with those fast people that did it in four or five hours. People that took 14 or 15 hours. I think, man, I, I, in fact, I'm more impressed with it. Hey, listen, uh, I'm again, not bragging on myself, but you look, if I was half the size, it'd be a whole lot different. But whenever a 220-pound guy can run nine miles uh, in an hour and a half, I'm pretty impressed with that. <laughs> Just the fact that I didn't die <laughs> was impressive. To, to me. And like I'm saying, you may not be, the, maybe maybe someday you'll be one of the biggest churches in the state of Illinois. I hope so. But even if you're not, just as long as you do what God tells you to do, you run the race that God has put you in, you stay faithful to God, you be the best father you can be, you be the best husband you can be, you be the best child you can be, you be the best church member you can be. And listen, every part of the church is important, every member is important. Uh, of the church. Everything that you do, the preacher can't do it by himself. Listen, uh, had it been, if it wasn't for guys who knew how to work on buildings, our building would still be a mess. Because I'm not a good mechanic or I'm not a good builder. I'm not good at any of those things. I'm a good preacher and I can help them work, but I need people to know what they're doing. And, and thank God, God gave me those kind of people. And God's put you here for a reason. And folks, if you're going to make it, uh, all the way to the end, and hopefully at your 25th anniversary, you'll be able to stand up and say, listen, we've stayed true to the Word of God. We've stayed true to God. We didn't keep our eyes on the world and what was going on. We kept our eyes on, on Christ. And that final day when we step into the clouds of glory. And here, listen, this is what I want when I get to heaven more than anything. That's to hear these words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's what I'm looking at. I want to hear God say those words. Listen, this world may think I'm wacky. This world may think, oh man, you're just way too strict. You stick by the Bible. But I, I, want, I want God to be impressed with me. I want God to look and say, you know there, He gave it everything He had. Listen, I've coached, we have ball teams at our church and I've coached those teams. And I, never, I don't get mad at the kids if they give it everything they've got. When I get mad at them is when they don't give it everything they've got. And God, listen, I said, God doesn't expect me. There's things God's not going to expect from me. But God expects me to give my best. So if this ministry is going to continue properly, the focus must not be on the pastor. Focus must not be on this building. The focus must not be on yourself. The focus has got to be on Jesus Christ. Looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And to get this, for the joy that was set before Him. Notice the next word. What did He do? He endured the cross. Well, aren't you glad He endured that cross? How painful that must have been to be beaten like He was beaten. Physically, that had to be horribly painful. But you know, I think what probably hurt Him the most, the, the, the things that bothered Him most, I can't imagine... God, Son of God, hanging there nude in front of all those people. I can't. I couldn't stand the thought of my kids seeing me that way. My grandkids seeing me that way. Every man here knows what I'm talking about. That would be so humiliating. 
They hung him, but even worse than that. You know what the Bible said? The Bible said He took our sin upon Him. He became sin who knew no sin. And everything that you've done and everything I've done was put on Him. And now, think how horrible that would be. Just think how horrible it would be for you to get involved in certain things that you hate. God hates all sin. I remember one time I had to work. When we were working in a little church, I had to go out and I worked at a pig farm. And we were... It was one of those farms that had the slatted floors where the pigs walked over the top and all the stuff would go down into the this thing in the bottom and something was clogged up and we had to actually get down there had rubber boots on but we're down there digging through stuff. And I remember my foot st- I stepped and it got stuck and I, my foot got st- stuck in a dead pig. And and I, I stunk so bad when I left that place. I got home and I told my wife, I didn't even want to go in the house. I went out in the garage. I took, I took my clothes off out in the garage. I went in the house and I showered about five, five times. And I still stunk. This is gospel truth. I smelled for like two weeks. The smell would not go away from me. And this was the even worse part. The guy that hired me never did pay me for that day's work. <laughs> and I go back and sue him. Because <laughs> of bad memory. <laughs> but the point is, I'm down there, I'm, I'm going through all that disgusting stuff. You know what I was thinking about? I, was, I had a wife. She was pregnant with my son at that time. And I thought, you know, i got to feed my family. i got to take care of them. And I'm willing to do whatever work is necessary, even digging in a smelly pig pen. To, to feed my family, to take care of them. You know what? Jesus went through much worse than that for us. And folks, that's why we need to... That's why every child here, you ought to appreciate your parents. How they take care of you and they supply They're feeding you and they're clothing you and they're caring for you. Every one of us here, we need to appreciate our Lord. And if you're here tonight and you've never been saved, you ought to give Him your heart because nobody loves you like He does. Hey, the devil paints some real pretty pictures for you. But you know what he's going to do? He's going to destroy you. And he's going to damn you, your soul to an eternal hell. But God's over here saying, listen, uh, I've been teaching on the, the temple at our, at our church, and I don't know if you ever noticed on the, the old outdoor temple, the outside of it was very ugly. Inside it was beautiful. You know what that was? On the outside, people look at religion and say, I don't get it. Why would they want to be part of that? But I'll tell you what, when you get Christ in your heart, then you understand. And listen, I mean this with all my heart. There's nothing... When I was a young man, some of you folks probably remember this guy, was a fellow by the name of Elvis. That I thought was I thought he was it. And I used to think, man, I wish I could sing like Elvis. I wish I could dance like Elvis. I wish I could look like Elvis. And I even tried to when I was a young guy. I had the big hair and, and everything. I wanted, wanted to do that. But you know, now I look... Elvis died at a very young age, about 40, because of drugs. Lost his wife, lost his kids. Probably never going to see him in heaven. God gave me a wonderful family. I'm going to have eternity with my wife and with my kids. Listen, I'll probably be able to sing better than him when I get to heaven. <laughs> you know what? I look at now when I was a young guy thinking, wow, you know why I liked him so much? Because all the girls liked him. And I wanted all the girls to like me. 
be honest. But you know what? Now I, I look and I think, boy, all those all those millions of dollars that he has, he's still making millions of dollars. He makes more money dead than he did alive. But you know what? Is it bringing him any happiness? Bringing him any joy? Does he have what I have? No. You know why? He looked at fame, he looked at fortune, he looked at the girls. You know what? The devil destroyed his life. I don't know whether he was saved or not. I knew some preachers that knew him and said that he had made a profession, but I don't know this. But even if he was, he's not going to have in heaven what I have. And folks, the key is look to Jesus. Get your eyes on him. And if you'll do that, God will give you a wonderful life here. And He'll give you a fantastic eternity. And that's what really matters. As we stand together tonight, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him, He endured the cross. He despised the shame, but now He sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. And folks, listen, we might despise some of the shame and the pain, but it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. So if you don't know Christ tonight... Please come and give him your heart, Pastor.